Welcome back to the Kingfisher Podcast with Eric and Bron Whitley. We're really glad that you're listening with us today. And uh, just really excited to get into this topic. Well, it's something that people ask a lot. It's one of the big questions, really. Especially oh, from non-Christians. Yes. One of the biggest questions ever. And I think uh, a question that hinders a lot of people from following God because they ask this question and don't find good answers to it. Yeah, or they use it as an excuse to say, well, God must not be real. So the question, in case you're wondering, is why do bad things happen to good people? Yeah. Or in general, why do bad things happen? Why do bad things happen in the world if God is good? Yeah, and I know so many people I've had discussions with that they don't follow God because they cannot rationalize that he's good and there's evil in the world. Yeah. And I've been asked this question I don't know how many times throughout my ministry. Yeah, I mean, you've even written a little response so you can give it to people. I did, because I've had this conversation over and over. And look, it's a really valid question. I understand people's curiosity and their question wanting to know, how does this work together? If God's so good, why do babies die and people get cancer and all this kind of stuff, all the war, all the bad stuff in the world? Yeah. If he's so good, why is all this bad stuff happening? Mm. Um, And many times it comes in the middle of a challenge or a conflict or something going on in your life that is really hard, and you start to question these things. Yeah, start to question, where is God in all of this? So my answer is a bit long-winded because it's not a simple answer. I believe we have to start from what our worldview is. Like, how do you see the world? What is your worldview? And so... A worldview is how we see the world, how we operate, the way that we believe and what we think, and that dictates behavior and everything else. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of think of it as colored lenses. So if you wear rose-colored glasses and you think everything's wonderful all the time, or if you wear green glasses and everything looks terrible, you know, it's it's the lens that you see the world through. And and the way that we're raised and the environment we're raised in and the culture we live in, all of those things impact the lens that we view the world through. And I think particularly in Christian circles, when someone asks this type of question, it's because they try and look at God's sovereignty, which means he's in control. He knows about everything. It's all those Words that we use to describe God, like omnipotent, all-powerful, right? Omniscious, knows everything. And we talk about that, and we believe those things. I, I believe those are characteristics of God. But then we start to rationalize down a path going, well, if God knows everything, and God's all-powerful, and can do anything, and God's everywhere at once, then how does he let all these bad things happen? Yeah, and we we try to see him as a person. We personify him and think, well, if it was me and I knew everything and I was all-powerful, I wouldn't let that stuff happen. I'd do something different. That's right. If I were king, you know. Mm. And, And it does go that way. When we think that, when we have that rationale and we take it out to a point, it becomes a worldview that I call a blueprint worldview. And that's, it's one, if you go to seminary and study theology, we actually discuss these worldviews because they do have an impact on who God is and his character and what he's about. And depending on how you believe, it does reflect in your relationship with God. So a blueprint worldview would say that God is in control of everything. So everything that happens. There's some that even take it to a point where we call it a meticulous sovereignty, which means if I scratch my nose, God ordained that, willed that, caused that to happen. 
I have no control <laughs> over the fact that I, whether I scratch my nose or not. Yeah. And in some ways, I guess that could be a comforting thought to think God's in control. And we do say that. We, we say this, yeah. God is in control and God's gotcha and all that kind of stuff. And I do believe that. Yeah, I think for some people, they like the idea of safety, of not having to really be responsible for anything, being sort of taken care of all the time. But for those of us with a little bit of Irish blood, we don't really like that. Yeah. <laughs> we're a bit, well, we're, I, we like to be in, in charge of our own destiny in life. Sure. Well, I, I hate to be micromanaged. That's one of my biggest pet peeves is to be micromanaged. But I think there's differing degrees of being in control. Like you can look at it in different ways. Like I can be in full control of my kids without dictating every little decision and step and behavior that they do. Yeah. And I think that's more how God operates. Yes, he is in control ultimately. Yeah. I mean, anyone who thinks that God would just micromanage every single aspect of our lives has clearly not raised children because they are miserable if you try to do that and they will just rebel and hide things. So I see God, he calls himself a father, he calls himself a parent, and I see him more in that view. Now, the the worldview that I hold is called a warfare worldview. In that, it brings in the idea of free will. It looks at there's good in the world, there's evil in the world. Yeah. And there's and not necessarily that they're equal opposite forces, but they exist. They coexist. There's evil and there's good. And they are battling each other. Now, I think this is a more biblical worldview because the Bible talks about this. It talks about us wrestling with powers and authorities. It talks about our weapons of warfare are not carnal. Okay, So in other words, we're not fighting each other with knives and guns and tanks and bombs. We have to fight evil in the world with spiritual yeah. weapons. Because it's a spiritual force. It's not a physical force. Now, sometimes it is exhibited through us as humans. Do we, humans do evil? Certainly. Like, we do bad things. Yeah. But I believe that comes through the free will that God has set up. Now, I believe God's set up the world with, it has a lot of rules and a lot of laws and a lot of things that operate in the world. For instance, gravity. God set up gravity. That's why we're sitting here and not flying off into space. Yeah, and gravity just continues going and, and continues operating, going. and and that's just a, a rule that he set up, and there's a lot of those kinds of rules throughout the world. Yeah, so laws of nature and that sort of thing, and God has set that up, I think, in our relationship with him. He has allowed us to have free will and to make decisions for ourselves and to go about our lives, so we have the opportunity to choose to be holy or we can choose to be sinful. Yeah, and one of the rules that he set in place is that there is a consequence for disobedience or sin. So I believe that the evil that's in the world that's perpetrated by us or by spiritual forces behind that is from Satan and from the demonic, and they do exist and they do operate, and we choose to, oftentimes we get tempted or we get influenced and we participate in that, and we as humans, become the outworking of evil in the world. Yeah, I mean, the, the Bible tells us that the consequence of sin is death and that Jesus came to pay that price so that we wouldn't have to die. But those consequences still exist in the, in the world. And I, you know, I think a lot of people would say, well, what about the babies? They haven't done anything sinful. It's not the consequences of necessarily just your own sin. I mean, sometimes, obviously, when we do something wrong, there are going to be natural consequences to that. But it's the consequence of sin being in the world, not just your personal sin. That's it. We live in a fallen world. When Adam and Eve sinned, they brought 
that death in. It brought in sin. It brought in pain. It brought in sickness. It brought in all those things that we don't like in the world. And selfishness, pride, all, all those things came in when they sinned. And as we call it, the fall happened. And that has been perpetuating for thousands of years. And I see that the world, why bad things happen in the world is because there's still evil there. Now, there's also God, and he's good, and there's good in the world. And in fact, we as Christians are supposed to be the ones releasing that good, releasing love, releasing peace, releasing reparation, you know, forgiveness, forgiveness all these things. Yeah. yeah, we're supposed to be doing that as his ambassadors yeah. and his children. And so we're supposed to be doing the good stuff, but that doesn't mean that God prevents the bad stuff from happening. Yeah, one of the verses that I like in the Bible tells us that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face, then I'll hear them from heaven above and heal their land. I mean, that's a really great picture of how God brings good back into the world that's full of evil. Well, what I will say is, yes, evil exists, and and God has given us now authority to overcome evil. So he's given us the power and the authority and the ability to overcome evil with good. And so we have to do that. Now, somebody will say, well, such and such happened to me when I was young, and it's a horrible, horrible story, and like I won't even mention it specifically as I talk about it. So we know there's bad stuff that happens, horrible, terrible just horrific things that have happened to people. Yeah, undeserved things too. Completely. And they go, where were you, God, when this was happening? Well, what I have found is he's there. Now, he doesn't always stop it because, and this is the thing, God is sovereign. He can kind of do what he wants. So he can stop it and sometimes does. Yeah, we hear we hear miraculous stories all the time about how God steps in and saves people. Totally. But not always. And that's his prerogative. I can't answer that. If you have a problem with that, you have to go to God with that. But he does give us the means to heal from it, to survive it, and to go forward. Yeah. And that's what I lean into is I can't stop bad things from happening, but when they do, God is with me, and he gives me what I need to recover from that. Yeah, and he promises to work all things for the good of those who love him. And as I'm talking about this, it brings to my mind another issue with this type of question and worldview is many times people blame God for the bad things that happen. So if they take that blueprint worldview, and they may not even know that that's what they're operating in, but they go, God, you didn't stop this, or God, you're to blame for this. And and even Christians will say, well, it was just God's will when something really terrible happens. And I, you know, I have to step in then and say, No, it's never God's will for something bad to happen to you. No, I would disagree with that. Particularly when you look at how God is described in the Bible. When you start looking at his character, how is he described? Well, for one, he's love. Love doesn't hurt. Okay, Love doesn't hurt anyone. It doesn't take advantage of anyone. It says he's holy. Holy means set apart from anything sinful or evil. Yeah. He's a good father, he's called. He's righteous. He's the peacemaker. He, you know, there's all these character traits that describe who God is. And those are just our humanly attempts to put something around who he is because he's greater than even any of those words can describe. And 
if I look at that and then I rationalize that he's the one doing the bad stuff, then either he's lying and he's not who he is, or there's another element in the world. And that's where the warfare worldview comes into play because Satan is that person, I think. When you read how he's described, he's a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Yeah, kill, kill, steal, and destroy. Yeah, his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. (laughs) Yeah, It says he's a liar and, and he's a thief. It says he's a murderer. It says all these things which start to come more into line with somebody who would harm an undeserving, innocent person. Yeah, so there's a lot of different views, even within the Christian community. I know there's a Calvinist type of view that looks at uh, what God does and His as all being in his will. Everything in the world that happens is within his will because he's controlling all of it, like you were saying, sort of a micromanagement approach. But the way that I look at it, which is based on what the Bible tells us, is that God created humans to bring glory to his name but also to love him. And love is something that has to be freely given. It can't be coerced or forced. You can't say to someone, I want you to love me and I'm going to beat you until you love me because that they might say, well, okay, I love you, I love you, but they don't actually love you. That's not real love. Real love is freely given and it ha- you have to have free will in order to be able to do that. And so God was so serious about that. He wanted so badly for us to be able to have the free will needed to give him our love freely to give him our devotion and to want to be in relationship with him he gave us free will knowing that we would use that to then bring sin into the world but it was worth that to him to be able to have that love that loving relationship with us that is our own free will freely given to him and as he has freely given his love to us yeah i mean you've put that so so well i i think that's exactly it even though he knows that not everyone's going to choose to love him and not everyone's going to choose to do the right thing. And he doesn't stop that because I think you're right. If, if he forced us to love him, that's not love. Yeah. That's a master-slave relationship and, as opposed to a friendship or love relationship. Yeah, and the Bible tells us that he no longer calls us servants but friends. Yeah, and so that's how he relates to us. And that's what I'm saying is I think... As you, you mentioned earlier, people go, well, if God's all-powerful, why, you know, and, and if I were that way, I would do things differently. But I think God has done everything he can to make a way for when bad things happen. He is there to catch us. He's there to bring healing. He's there to restore us. He's there to do that stuff. And ultimately, if we're Christians, he's given us a way where we exit this evil world and we go to a place for eternity that's perfect, you know, yeah. that we're out of pain, we're out of sickness, sin no more will exist. It, it's all gone. So he's done that for us, and it's just in this short time on earth that we have to endure this stuff. Yeah, and look, I know how hard it is when you're going through something difficult, like you're grieving or you've had a loss of some kind or something really hard is happening in your life. It's so difficult to turn to God in those situations because we want to just sort of curl up and hide away from the world and and everyone and we want to put our armor on and protect ourselves. But it's really a discipline that Christians need to put into practice in our lives where when something's going bad in our lives or when we're grieving, hurting, afraid, lonely, that we intentionally turn our attention and affection to God 
and lean on him and cry out to him and ask him for comfort instead of turning to other things for comfort or protection. Ask him for comfort and protection. And it's a discipline that you have to sort of practice in your faith and in your life. And what you'll find is that his arms are the best place to be in those situations and that he has everything you need to be able to get through whatever it is you're going through. And it's something that we won't be able to do in eternity because we'll be in heaven and everything will be perfect. So it's like this sacrifice of praise that we can give him here and now on earth. This is our one chance to, in those hard times, turn to him and turn it over to him and give him that sacrifice of praise, even though it's really hard to do. Yeah, he says his grace is sufficient. So whatever we need, he can provide it. It's just deciding to turn towards him. But my experience has been, I don't know if it's just human nature or what it is, but we as Christians many times turn away from God when bad things happen and we blame him. Mm -hmm. And what happens is that becomes an unrighteous judgment in our lives. We're judging God. And when we do that, it kind of puts a barrier between us and and him. It's harder to experience his love. It's harder to find his peace. It's harder to... Harder to hear his voice when he's speaking. Yep, hear his voice to experience joy, all those things. And so then that becomes a cycle that embitters us towards God. Mm -hmm. And over time, it eats away at your faith to the point where you one day wake up and you don't believe anymore. That's it. But I encourage you, if you're listening and maybe that's you today to release your judgment. My encouragement is to release that judgment towards God, to realize that whatever has happened, whoever's hurt you, however the situation occurred, it's not God doing it. It's the enemy doing it. It's the enemy, whether he's passive in that and it's just in the background or whether he's actively working uh, against you, it's the enemy who's done that. And so we need to turn our eyes off of our judgment for God and start to put the judgment on the real culprit the real person who's responsible, and that's Satan. That's the enemy. And when we do that, suddenly those walls fall down and we start to feel his peace. We feel his joy again. We feel his love. Yeah, and he's there ready to comfort. Yeah, and that's the thing. He's so faithful that even though we might have a bitter heart towards God, he's just waiting for us to turn that heart back to him, and he's just ready to receive us once again. So to sum it up, Bad things happen because there's evil in the world. But God's not oblivious to that. He is at work, and he has provided every means for us to be healed and to be satisfied and to be redeemed and changed and whatever we need in those situations. I think that's why he talks about that we will have peace that is beyond our understanding, you know, peace that surpasses our understanding. Because we will look around and go, I... I shouldn't be peaceful right now, but yet I have that peace because I'm keeping my eyes on God instead of the stuff in the world. Yeah, I mean, the Bible says, says that over and over, you know, turn your eyes to Jesus, keep your eyes on God. And that's one of the things that I actually practice in my life when I'm feeling stressed, when I'm feeling beat down, when it feels like the whole world is against me. I say to myself, I'm looking to God. I'm going to put my eyes on God. I'm going to take my eyes off all of these things, the circumstances that I'm in that are causing me so much stress or pain or sorrow. I'm taking my eyes off that and I'm putting them on God and I'm just going to worship God right now and I'm going to focus on him and I'm going to turn my affection towards him. And it and that is what brings peace. That's what brings joy back into my life. Yeah, it's a powerful thing. It's simple, but it's so powerful when we just turn our, our focus and our attention back to him. So we don't need to focus on 
the enemy and focus on the bad things that have happened. I just want to encourage you, if you're still living in the past, maybe you've got unforgiveness in your life for something that happened to you by someone somewhere back in, the, back in time, my biggest encouragement would be to forgive them. Do it today. Just say the words. You don't have to feel it, but just say the words. I choose to forgive them for what they did and release that back to God. And if you're holding bitterness and judgment in your heart towards God, if you blame him for whatever has happened in your life, a simple, again, a simple prayer of, God, I release you from my ungodly judgment or my unrighteous judgment, and I ask you to draw near to me again. And as simple a prayer as that will be powerful. I promise you it will be powerful in your life. So I'd encourage you to do that today. Well, we're really grateful that you've joined us today and uh, explored this question of why do bad things happen to good people or why is there evil in the world? And I hope that some of our answers uh, have encouraged you or given you some food for thought at the very minimum. But thanks for listening with us. We hope you'll join us again. This has been the Kingfisher Podcast with Eric and Bronwyn Whitley. May you be blessed today.